when we get to what happens when an employee leaves your organization, what are you doing then? Because that's part of the life cycle. Because a couple of things. One, it could be an involuntary termination, perhaps something that all these previous phases of the life cycle led to, or it could be a voluntary termination that perhaps was due to other reasons. They're they're moving on with their career. They're moving away. Um, maybe, I mean, maybe there was something about the job that they weren't satisfied, or maybe there was something that uh, or maybe at another job somewhere else that that they're able to grow more professionally in, that offboarding experience, there's an opportunity to continue the relationship going once they become a guest again and allow them to continue advocating for the business even beyond their own employment. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. This episode is kindly sponsored by Attractions.io, the guest experience platform behind Merlin Entertainment's San Diego Zoos and the PGA Championship's branded mobile apps. And just like us, the team at Attractions.io is on a mission to elevate the guest experience and ensure that they exceed the expectations of today's digitally native guests. By combining a branded mobile app with an operator console that consolidates behavioral data from every touch point in the guest journey, the Attractions.io platform empowers operators with the tools they need to increase guest satisfaction, spending, and loyalty. And to learn more about how Attractions.io can help you connect your end-to-end guest experience, visit attractions.io slash how it works. Hey, Matt, how's it going? Well, Josh, I am doing fantastically. How are you? Ah, doing great. Doing great. Always glad to hear that you're doing fantastic. So, So, Matt, there's this topic that's been on my mind lately, and it ties in a lot lately with uh, topics that you and I have been talking about. So it's probably been on your mind a lot uh, in recent recent past as well. We've talked a lot about the intersection of the guest and employee experience, right? Yes, we have. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for those who perhaps haven't uh, been caught up to speed on this, we've done a, a couple episodes on this in, in the past. Actually, I think dating back to like episode 27. Please don't listen to it. It was you know, a very long time ago. Uh, and we talk about a lot of the things that go into creating a great guest experience can be copied and pasted into creating a great employee experience and the other way around as well. So those that go into uh, your employee culture can then be uh, just shifted to align with your guest culture and your guest experience. And through that, we find a lot of different creative ways to really pull one from the other. But if we pull back, there's a lot of things that we can talk about how the guest experience weaves its way in to each phase of the employee journey, and particularly the life cycle that that an employee has within an organization. So I figured that that would be a really good thing for us to talk about today. 
Well, I agree. I'm a, a big proponent of looking at all the different phases of the employee life cycle. Um, I talk about this a lot when I talk about burnout, because I believe that burnout is not something that simply happens at the beginning or at, at one point in the season. It's kind of a year long process that manifests itself in one, one part of the year. So if you took a look at all those phases of the employee life cycle to figure out how you can overcome burnout, well, I think you can do the same thing if you're trying to create, you know, a higher level of guest experience, a high le higher level of guest service. And what I love about the, the concept that I think we're going to get into today, um, when you first started talking to me about this, especially this topic for today's episode, you really talked about the sustainability of a positive culture. And that is not something that we can take lightly. That is not something that we can say, hey, we're going to a training class and we're gonna have a better culture or we're gonna have ping pong tables and we're gonna have a better culture or we're gonna have a pizza party. Yarr! We're gonna have a better culture, right? Uh, but what you can really, really take from that, I think, is the lessons you've learned over the years, certainly the lessons I've learned over the years is that it's not a one-stop shop, right? It's not a, a quick fix in order to have, first of all, the culture that you want, but also to sustain that. And I think if you don't embed, you know, guest experience criteria and, and, um, and facets of that part of the business in every thing that you do, then you're probably not going to be able to sustain it. Yeah, no, exactly. I, it, this all comes down to really sustaining. And like you said, it's more than a training class. It's definitely more than a pizza party, but it's, <laughs> it is more than saying, oh, our employees have our standards. We train them on our standards. Training is definitely part of it. It's a critical part of it. I think you and I would both very much agree that yeah. that training and investing in the development of your team uh, is absolutely critical to sustaining guest experience initiatives, but it really goes beyond that. It starts long before training and it continues long after training as well uh, into really each phase of the employee life cycle and the employee journey. So what I would love to do is I would love to take a look at each phase of that life cycle of the employee journey and talk about what organizations uh, can be doing, should be doing, hopefully to some extent are doing to really infuse the guest experience into all those. Because if it's not looked at at each phase of the life cycle, oftentimes it can be very much fragmented. It could be departments having their own specific functions. If uh, if HR is recruiting and we need you know X amount of individuals, we want to make sure that the questions that they're asking, the way that they're screening you know for uh, for candidates, is very much in line with how they're going to be. Trained and developed and and managed as employees, uh, and this goes both ways, and it goes in in all you know different directions as well. In the way that uh, in the way that we not only manage employees but also truly bring them into an employee culture. So, should we start by sort of defining the employee life cycle? Because we've said that word a couple of times, uh, <laughs> but just so that we're all on the same page. So, to you, what is the employee life cycle? Uh, yes, I do think we should define the employee <laughs> life cycle, and and we should also define what uh, what it means to really have that guest experience strategy or, or mentality that that you're putting into it, so that there's a real clear vision of what it is that we're talking about here. Uh, so from the employee life cycle, oftentimes it starts with recruitment, so it's very much the first phase. 
Uh, and then after recruitment, the employee goes through onboarding, welcoming into the organization. From there, they go into training, and then they're kind of turned loose. They're you know put put on the floor, put uh, you know in operation, in position, and from that that sustaining of the training needs to happen through ongoing development of their skills and their abilities and what's happening on a day-to-day basis with them. And then even transitioning into offboarding, when it does come time, and I don't even know if offboarding is a real word or not, spell check definitely flagged, <laughs> but if we're gonna talk about onboarding, we're gonna talk about offboarding, especially if we're talking about something that is you know cyclical in nature. And I, one thing that I, that I wanna pose, and we'll obviously get to it towards the end, because it's towards the end of the life cycle is, what are you doing with your past employees once they become a guest again? So what I think is interesting about this is that I think you and I may be looking at these the, this life cycle in, in a couple of different ways, but I think we, we need to explore both of them, right? Like I had not really thought about what happens after that team member leaves and they become a guest again. So I, I really appreciate that. The way I look at it too is that all of these elements of the employee life cycle need to be connected. So they're not fragmented, right? Right. So when you think about your company values or your mission statement, those things need to be infused in every area of the, of the life cycle so that you're, you're communicating a consistent message across the board. And when you think about it, let's say that, you know, guest service and guest experience is, is your number one, you know, your, your, your number one goal, right? You want to make sure that your guests are having a great time. Well, you want to hire people that have that sort of mentality already, or you want to screen for that, right? You want to infuse that into the process of onboarding and training, right? Certainly in the development process, you want to continue to develop those skills. And then in offboarding, or I might call it, you know, termination or, or you're setting people free or returning them back to the industry. You know, if you are not performing up to the standards, then if you in through the development process, if you're coached on that and you're for whatever reason choosing not to uphold those standards or you can't or you don't want to, then you can be set free from the organization, right? You can you can no longer have a position in the company. But from the very beginning, from the very first time you even heard about that company or saw them on social media, you were very clear because they were very clear about the expectations and that consistency of message throughout. I think is one of those things that really helps sustain the culture that you were talking about. Yes. So many amazing <laughs> words there. I sustain, uh, connected. I, I, I was using the term connective tissue when I was talking about this the other day. It, it needs to have that that binding together. Um, so before we get into the, the actual life cycle and talking about the, the first phase of it, I think we should spend just a couple of minutes talking about what it is that we're talking about that gets infused into each phase of the connected life cycle. And so the way that you do that, if we're talking about uh, employees' standards of delivering the guest experience, the the culture, the standards, uh, the culture of hospitality is actually a lot of, of the way that, that I've been phrasing this, is we need to, to really have an overarching definition of what do we expect from our employees? So I think part of it is, is really looking at various different components of strategy as it relates to the guest experience cycle. And then from that strategy, breaking it down into very specific tactics. So one example of a tactic could be that, uh, well, let's use a, a familiar brand, uh, Chick-fil-A. Have you ever been to Chick-fil-A? Have you eaten there recently? I have, not recently, but I, I have definitely been there. 
okay, I just went there just on Monday. I was in Atlanta. <laughs> we have like one in Chicago. It's really far away. So I'm going to Atlanta, go to Chick-fil-A. I, but you have been there. If you uh, tell an employee or a, an employee gives you their, your order and you say, thank you, what usually happens then? My pleasure. Yes. It seems like everybody knows that, right? It's become like so popular that 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 particular response. That right there is a very specific tactic that relates to an overarching strategy of this is our relationship with our guests. This is how we treat them. Uh, another example would be if you... Uh, check into a Ritz-Carlton or a Four Seasons or a, a Waldorf Astoria, whatever it is. Uh, when you check in, going through the standard process, they'll ask you, well, we'll need to verify your ID, your credit card, you know, in, in most cases. And then when they hand it back, you know, demonstrate visually for those watching on YouTube is they'll give it with two hands rather than sliding it across the counter. So right there, that is a very granular, my favorite word, tactic <laughs> that they use that is part of an overarching strategy of saying, of probably looking at it as saying, the guest is not here because they're a customer who's renting a room for the night and it's a transaction. Making it feel more hospitable, more like they are at home, more like it is a, a higher end gesture. Uh, both of those examples that we talk about, by the way, cost absolutely nothing <laughs> with the exception of the backend investment of how we are developing and training our employees to do that. But those actual tactics themselves I, are, are, are absolutely free to do. It is just how often and how consistently can you implement them? And when you do that, now it can be very much ingrained in your culture. So those are uh, just some kind of quick overarching thoughts on what it is that we are ingraining into the culture in each phase of the employee life cycle. So when you were talking about Chick-fil-A and my pleasure, I started thinking about the life cycle, right? And I started thinking about someone who might be applying for a job at Chick-fil-A or maybe even going through the training. And I wonder, and I don't know, know the answer to this. So the, if there's anybody that has worked at a Chick-fil-A before or currently does, uh, please write it right in. How many times a team member, if it's that ingrained in the culture, how many times a team member team member might hear that before they even get onto the floor, right? Mm -hmm. So if they are interacting with somebody from HR and they're filling out their paperwork and they're, they hand something over and the, 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 they might say, thank you, or something like that. Maybe the person in HR says, oh, my pleasure, right? Or they come through the orientation process and they say, oh, it's great to see you. Oh, my pleasure. And so they're literally being inundated in probably the best way with this phrase. And so that when they get out there and they're trained by their field trainer, they say, you know, with every transaction, you know, the, the final words are my pleasure. Like by then it's so ingrained in them. It's not even an issue for them to, for that to be second nature for them. Right. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at. Like if that, my pleasure is at every single step of that of the way and people are hearing it all the time just from a, a guest experience you know that one tactical piece it's very easy to make that part of the experience for the guest and i think you're touching on a really important piece of the intersection between the guest and employee experience if that you know an employee you know thanks their manager for giving them the day off or whatever and, and the manager says yeah whatever well that's you know a, a very i know i'm kind of trying to somewhat polar opposite, not totally yeah. polar opposite, yeah. but, but oh, yeah. still, you know, it's, it's the way of saying, oh, we, we treat our employees differently than we expect our employees to treat our guests. I, you know, we really need to take into consideration to say, okay, if we expect this 
from our employees in the way that they are delivering the experience to guests? Are we going to do that ourselves in the way that we treat our employees? So, um, so that's sort of like the, the overarching framework of what it is that would go into each phase of the employee life cycle. So should we start at the top and I think really talk about uh, recruitment from just obviously we can't spend too much time on, on each phase, but just some, some quick thoughts on recruitment here. Well, I think that's the best place to start because recruitment isn't just about, you know, thinking back to, to when I used to do recruitment, quote unquote, for parks that I worked at, we'd set up a table, we'd go to a college, we'd go to a high school, right? That was, that was what we considered recruitment. Now, you know, there's so much with social media, there's, you know, so many other avenues where you can get your, get your word out to other people, but it really is the process of making people aware that you have jobs and starting to build a relationship with them. Like, is this a right fit for you? You know, are we a right fit, you know, you know, back and forth, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's um, not just one way, right? It's a two way relationship. So is this a fit for both of us? And really starting to build that bond so that ultimately, they want to actually fill out the application, right, and, and go through that process of onboarding and then training and all the rest. But very similar to a guest, right? You used to have newspaper ads and, and radio ads and TV to attract them in. And now there's again so many different ways that people can can find the find your your business hopefully um, that would make them want to buy a ticket. So um, infusing the guest experience mentality in that recruiting process, um, I think, is a great place to start. Yeah, for sure. And, and also, you know, one thing that we can't overlook too is that in 2023, recruiting is hard. I, for the last <laughs> for the last three years, two years, two and a half years, whatever. Uh, recruitment has been such a huge pain point of being able to attract uh, quality ta talent. Wages have gone up. Uh, you know, the applicant pool has gone down. So this really is a balance of, uh, you know, I, I know you and I have used the term, you know, pulse check before of we need to we need to fill X amount of employees. So great. If you showed up, you know, you've got the job and, and we don't want to resort back to that because we want to make sure that if we are recruiting and we have very specific standards, we want to make sure that we're looking at those standards and whether it's that my pleasure uh, uh, mentality or that handing the ID and credit card back in with two hands type of mindset, we want to be able to screen for that with candidates as they're coming in. So even with the way that job descriptions are put together, even with the way that job posts are made, if uh, HR is screening for candidates, not that this is anything new, but I think a lot of times, uh, you know, people look for for different personality types, and I think we need to go even sort of beyond personality type or even past experience and talk about what is their intention. So, like uh, in a job interview, a common question would be like, "Tell me about a time where you had to resolve a specific issue or something like that for for a guest or for a customer." Uh, and while that can definitely be an indicator of past performance it won't necessarily indicate what they would do in the future. And the fact is in our industry, a lot of people who are coming in for their frontline employees, it's their first job. So they might not have that example. They might say, I'm 16 years old. I haven't, you know, I haven't done that before. So I think sort of phrasing some of the questions of saying, you know, what would you do in this instance, get their creative juices flowing. And it doesn't have to be about solving problems. What if you found out that it was a guest's birthday and you had 
X, Y, Z, here's, here's what you had as far as your ability to do. And here's what your parameters were, where you wouldn't be able to do, uh, you know, what would you do for that guest's birthday? Something like that. Uh, and doing that allows them to start to think, okay, this is, these are the types of circumstances that I'm going to encounter while I'm here. So whether, whether they, uh, you know, ultimately end up accepting the job or not, uh, could be based on how they perceive the interview to go and to make sure that they also want the job. They want to be part of this high standard that you're hiring for. And the recruiter also sees, okay, they meet our high standards as well. So I want to, yes, you know, uh, yes. And that, right. Um, <laughs> but, but, but I also want to jump ahead just a little bit because I love the, the, the concept of putting them into a situation where they may experience this as a team member, right? For example, you know, somebody shows up with a birthday button, right? Where so many different places have, what do you do, right? How do you make that day really special for them? My connection, the connective tissue that we have to do there, right? Is that if that's what we're asking them in the interview, man, it would be cool if that's what they actually got to do on the job, right? So I think there's a caution to not go through all those different scenarios and, and all these fun things that you, you know, get to do it in an interview and say, what would you do? Right. Sky's the limit. You could do all these, these different things. Right. And then when you get into the real job, it's nothing like that at all. Right. right? So that's maybe just a little cautionary tale for future bits of our conversation. And that's why you'd have to put the parameters around it to exactly. say, like, you can't, you can't open up the register and, and give them a thousand dollars. Right. <laughs> to say like, here's, here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, but like I said, kind of going back to that concept of putting people in a situation, whether it's through questions like that or a group interview, playing group games, those are really popular to get people to really show who you are. Um, that's what I started thinking of. Behavioral interviewing questions are great. You know, obviously you have certain things you have to screen for in terms of, you know, physical ability and willingness to work outside and all those different things. But, and sometimes this is hard in a, in a short time interview. And a lot of times if interviews on the phone or Zoom or things like that, but can you find out about that person? like as an individual, right? Without getting too, too personal in that initial interview, but find out are their values aligned with yours? You know, a lot of people will say, you know, you, you just hire good people and let them do their thing, right? Well, that's fine, but how do you judge if that person's gonna be a good fit? So I think a lot of those things that you mentioned and really using the guest experience mentality for the employees and say, hey, this is how we engage guests. How are we going to engage our employees? Or how are we going to treat our employees as guests? That's a that's another lens to kind of look through when you think about bringing them on board, welcoming them into the fold as part of that you know, employee journey process. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so there's a lot that we can talk on recruitment. Should we move to the next phase that we'll let that Marinate. Yes, a lot of people probably have have their gears turning just on just on this one topic here. But if we were to move into the next phase of onboarding, now we're really talking about and this is where I think the intersection between the guest and employee experience has the opportunity to come to life. Because the onboarding process, in many cases, is the first impression Maybe not the first impression of your business, especially if they've a gone through the interview process and b been there as a guest before. But it's the first impression of what it's like to work here. And if we give them the best guest experience, 
Now they get to see, they get to, they feel warm, they feel welcome, and they now understand, okay, this is how this company treats people. This is what's expected from me to treat people. So for example, uh, if you're, you have a large facility and maybe you're directing people to a, a back-end entrance, maybe it's where the HR building is or where the training rooms are, uh, it could probably be difficult to find unless you've done it several times. What if you had parking attendants that were greeting people there, welcoming them for the orientation, and then you made it, it, it you know, orientation a lot of times can be pretty stale. It can be pretty <laughs> administrative. Not all the time. It's a very generalized statement. Yeah. But what if it was something that was much more exciting and felt a lot more like what the guests were walking into in, in a theme park? What if, you know, what if there were characters that were greeting new employees as they were coming in? Uh, in a zoo or aquarium? What if they? What if you actually went through the aquarium and, and you were able to actually get some up-close animal interactions as you are going from your car, from the entrance to where you are going for the training? So giving that first impression and looking at it from the lens of saying, okay, this is the first impression we want to give our guests right when they walk in. Can we flip this around and give just as great, just as welcoming and as an exciting experience to our employees as they're coming in for their first day. So you bring up something that is really interesting. If you were to take a look at your employee entrance versus your guest entrance, how different is it? Mm. Right? Your guest entrance is probably big and it's, you know, got big signs and it's got, um, you know, bright colors maybe and music and all those kind of things. Your employee entrance may say, human resources on a paper sign with a little arrow, right? right? And Security, so- metal detector, swipe Exactly. <laughs> so right from there, even from a physical standpoint, are you treating the employee um, experience of joining the, the organization the same way that you would as a guest coming in to, to enjoy the, the experience? Now, I know a lot of people will say, well, you know, the guest experience, you know, there there's- there's a, a there's a bigger ROI because guests are paying money and blah 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 and your your team members you're paying them to do that but at the same time like when you are I like to say orienting them right because it's part of the orientation process and if you look at that word they're you're trying to orient them you don't want them to be disoriented right as they're as they're walking around so you know signage or waypoints or you know a person to direct them to the right place you're really orienting them to the job that they're going to be in and to me that is so much more than talking about where the fire extinguishers are right or you know policies and procedures and yes when you're getting when you're getting paid is important but it's also the feeling of how you are going to leave that and i remember vividly and it was 2003 when i started at universal but i remember vividly when i went through the the take one orientation it was very movie themed and it was very much um you know the the guest experience and you know making us feel like movie stars and that kind of thing and and i remember going through that and really feeling like when I left there that I made the right decision. Did I remember everything they talked about? No, I didn't. I remember we did the activity where you find the, the numbers around the circle, right? And, you know, all these different things. And I remember we had actors from the park that were doing the orientation. So it was a show. I mean, it was literally a show that they were putting on. And when I left there, I felt like I had made the right decision to, to get a job at Universal. Now, if we apply that same concept to a guest, 
did they make the right decision as they're coming through the gates, right? And they see the park or the facility open up in front of them, right? And they're saying, oh my gosh, there's so many thing, great things to do. And they're saying, wow, I made the right decision to come here. We're going to have a great day. Well, don't you want your team to feel that same thing as they're saying, I made the right decision to come here. So yes, we can throw a lot of information into an orientation and it can be stale to your point, but let's take a step back. What is the feeling that we want someone to have when they leave there? Do we want them to feel overwhelmed and, oh my gosh, there's so much information I'm never going to remember? Or are we going to, are they, are they going to feel like, yes, I made the right decision. This is where I should be. I want to take the next step. I'm excited to take the next step. Let's go. Right. There's, it's a very different feeling when you're leaving that, that particular process. Yeah. Uh, and the, the way that you just presented that uh, is so important because in many cases it could be counterintuitive to how uh, to how we might think about that because the organization wants to see the employee come in and they want to feel like, okay, we made the right decision to hire them. And that's obviously very important and you want to keep that too, but just as important that, hey, just because you made the right decision doesn't mean that they made the right decision. It is that, that mutual rightness of a decision that needs <laughs> to happen and you need to you need to make that make that happen you need to bring that uh, make that come to life yeah. one more uh, note on onboarding before we move on here is that in addition to make them uh making them feel like the guest when they arrive is also ensuring that they in experience your product as a guest as well cuz a is to get them really excited about it and b makes them very proficient about it as well so are you truly treating your employees like guests? Well, they should have access and they should have encouragement. And that should be that should be like a scheduled day of you need to come and you need to experience it as a guest. So not just so you can talk about it and you know where the bathrooms and the ATMs are, but so you can be just as excited, if not more excited about the experience than the guest is. Absolutely. And I'll... I'll share another experience from Universal. When I first worked there, I first uh, got, the, got the job there, I was living like seven minutes from the park. So I was there on a lot of days off and I would get a lot of experience. Um, I spent a lot of time at Men in Black at the time for some reason, <laughs> um, trying to get that high score. Uh, but I, I really felt like that experience was invaluable because not only did I get to have some fun, right, but I got to understand the product even more uh, because I had only been to Universal a couple of times in my life before getting the job. And there's obviously a ton of things to do and a ton of things to know about that property to be an effective guest guest experience ambassador, for lack of a better term, right? So it was it was important for me. Yes, it was a lot of fun again, but it was also important to get to know that facility. Um, but I don't know that I would have done that if my ID didn't get me in for free, I right? Do. So yeah. that's a process that can help your team get to know the product better, right? So if they have passes, if their ID gets them in for free, which I know a lot of places do, and then encouraging them to do that, even bringing a friend, you know, or bringing a family at, at, at certain times, that can be a way to um, to encourage people to come in and experience the product and then be able to get to see it from other people's point of view. Yeah. And, and by visiting a, as a guest, you were able to have those guest interactions with team members to be able to see, okay, this is how team members treat their guests here. So, yeah. 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 Did you ever get a perfect score? I'm in a black. Never did. Okay. Never did. I got I got sort of close, but not 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 all the way. 
next time we're at Universal together, we'll we'll ride together. I'll, I I used to walk the track a lot. I used to be a lead at Men in Black. So I know I'm, all the the hidden sensors are. I assuming they haven't changed that, but <laughs> but I know how to get a perfect score. It's, it involves a little cheating, but it's okay. Uh, it's, it's not called, it's called using your resources. It's using your resources. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, shooting your own uh, vehicle, actually. Yes. Yeah. Thermal right. exhaust port. Yes. <laughs> so moving on from, thank you. Yeah, the, the fusion exhaust port. Fusion, uh, yes. Right. Moving on from onboarding. We've talked about recruitment. We've talked about onboarding. And then going into training. Um, here's where I think we'll probably, for, for our own sake, need to calm ourselves down because we can get very excited about talking about training and the importance of it and the development of it. But as we transition from sort of the, the onboarding, the orientation process of it, uh, then there's OJT, on-the-job training. And one of the things that's absolutely critical is that a huge section of that sort of between onboarding and OJT needs to be focused on what is this culture of hospitality? What is this culture of guest service? When we talk about these tactics and these strategies with it, this is where the employee really needs to be immersed into what is expected from them as they get out on the job. And part of that should be an in-person training, uh, training session, training workshops, uh, but also being able to assess that knowledge as well and making sure that if we need to redirect, if they only understand 85, 90% of it, then we fully get them up to 100%, really ideally before getting on the floor and interacting with guests. So part of the way I look at this is sort of a funnel right? So you start big picture, right? With the, the onboarding, the orientation, this is what the company is, the company values, that kind of thing. And, and as you go through those processes, and depending on the size of your location, it could be from orientation to on-the-job training, right? Or it could be on the orientation, then like, you know, a day of, of department orientation, and then on-the-job training and whatever, whatever that looks like. But you're getting more and more specific, right? As that funnel gets smaller and smaller. So as you are out with the guests, now you are talking about specifically what that team member does on a daily basis. Do they say my pleasure? Do they, um, you know, put the two cards out like that? Um, I've also had people that come around from, from, you know, from outside, you know, from behind the uh, the counter to hand yeah. me the cards back and then, you know, very politely show me where the elevator is and, you know, that kind of thing. So what are those those specific actions that you're going to be taking in those uh, those moments. And I think we have to be very, very careful here because it can be very easy for, especially if you have, you know, if you're large enough to have a specific operations team and a specific HR team, and the HR team is doing orientation and the operations team is doing the OJT, and that handoff has to be seamless, right? Mm -hmm. And when you go from the the uh, HR orientation, and they're talking about company values, and they're talking about, you know, guest service and guest experience and all these wonderful things. And then you get to the operator and they say, all that stuff they talked about in orientation, we don't really do that, right? Now, here's what you need to know. Oh my gosh, you just wasted all kinds of time and money, not only your time and money, but the team members time and money, because you've just said none of that was important. That you just talked about. And so now, and we'll just take rides because that's where, you know, you and I grew up, but now you're out running the ride and you're like, well, we talked about like greeting people and stuff. When do we do that? And eh, you don't have to do that. Yeah. You know, so there has to be, again, we'll say the connective tissue between those two processes. I would also say one of the way I, ways I look at the employee life cycle is instead of different wheels, if you will, or different pods, they're actually spokes on the same wheel, 
right? Mm -hmm. So it's all connected with something. And then, so you're just going from, from point A to point B to point C, but it, it's all got the same message. So I think that connective tissue with that HR to operational handoff is really critical. And when problems happen, it's when that connective tissue is broken. It's when it's fragmented. It's when it's uh, one person said, I've done my job. And the other says, I've done my job. And in many cases, not in many cases, but but there could be incidences where those two could clash with each other and cancel each other out. And then now uh, you're setting yourself up for future failure of whether it's guest experience and employee experience, because that could really confuse the employee to say, well, I'm, I'm going to be measured on this. I'm, you know, this is going to be part of my performance review. I could be disciplined for, you know, for doing this or not doing this when I've gotten conflicting messages from, from certain individuals or different teams within departments. And think about it this way too, right? If during the recruitment process, you talked all about guest service. You want to have some fun this summer? You want to have a great job where you get to interact with guests and have a good time and, and joke around with them? And then we're going to talk about that during onboarding and we're going to talk about that during orientation. And then they get out there and they're like, no, we don't do that. Like, oh, like that's part of the reason they wanted to get a job, right? Um, and one of the things that I've found, and this goes across the board with, with um, you know, guest service providers, this could be, you know, mechanics, People want to do a good job. And I know we've talked about that before, right? They want to uh, provide great service, right? They want to uh, put together the best ride they can, or they can they can fix things in, in the best way possible, build something that's really, really good and will sustain. But when the roadblocks are put in place or the organization doesn't support that, that's when people start to kind of be demotivated, right? When they can't or they see that, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited about being able to interact with guests and I've had so many great experiences here. And now I get to my team and they're like, we, we don't support that here. Right. Or there's there's even, you know, some departments do some departments don't. That's like you said, where those problems tend to come in. That inconsistency um, to me is really critical. There's I mean, another consistency is critical. <laughs> <laughs> there's another thing, too, that I that you just sort of. Um, uh, sparked my memory on and it you need to make it cool to care so yeah. i just read this book uh called unreasonable hospitality by the uh, former owner of um the uh uh madison madison square um park the the 11 what's it called the uh the restaurant there in madison square park uh why am i blanking on the name i'll remember it right after the podcast anyway <laughs> uh, they were ranked number one restaurant in the world and he had this section of the book where he talks about like being cool to care like it, there, there might be some times where if you've got an employee that's really excited and really gets guest facing, and then you've got another employee who they're just sort of there for the paycheck and they're just sort of like, like, come on, man, like just, you know, just do your job and, you know, whatever, like that's what we're all doing. That can bring down the overall average when in actuality, when the entire team is, you know, is, is there to care and is there to be excited, uh, then it really elevates it all. And so the, um, um, in this book, Will Goddard, he was the author, he, he talks about this example of there, there was this one soup that if everybody at the table ordered it, then multiple people from the kitchen would come out. And the, there was almost this theatric in the way that the bowls were placed down, there were lids over it. And then uh, there, there would, you know, six people would get soup, but then uh, three people 
would with each of their hands would lift the uh, the lids off the soup at the same time. And he said there was this one time, you know, the, the servers went out there and they did it and they did it so flawlessly that they're back in the kitchen. They're high fiving each other on how great of a job that they did. And that's, you know, that's the type of mentality that we need to have of saying, like, look at this interaction that I just did. Look at this guest experience, you know, initiative or, or whatever it is that uh, uh, that I just did. It's cool for me to be able to do that. And it's not, you know, it's not like a teacher's pet type of thing, right? I'm not doing it for the accolades. I'm doing it because it feels good because it's cool to do it. So this to me is bridging into development, right? Because, you know, yes, we've trained people on what they're supposed to be doing, but the development piece, I think, is about the ongoing coaching, the ongoing uh, feedback that you might give. And getting back to the very simple uh, phrase of, what gets rewarded or what gets recognized gets repeated. When you recognize or reward outstanding behavior like the soup, you're going to get it again, right? Mm. If you are recognizing by not recognizing other things or by ignoring positive behavior, if you're actually recognizing or you're you're saying that that the negative behavior is okay, then that's what you're going to get as well. Um, There's a couple of organizations I'm working with right now where one of their initiatives is eliminating tacit approval, right? And I think it's a great um, uh, initiative because we may not often realize that when we walk by somebody and they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, we're actually giving them approval that that's okay, Mm. right? And so it's about addressing those things in the moment. But to your point, it's going complete, you know, kind of the opposite of not just not, you know, addressing things in the moment, but providing such an environment that people want to care and it's cool to care and it's okay to care. Um, that's when you're going to get people to care when you recognize those behaviors and you say, this is the behavior that we want. And that's what's going to be recognized. For sure. First of all, 11 Madison Park. I just grabbed there a book off the shelf. I knew, I, I knew it was close. I was going to say 11 City Diner, but that's in Chicago. Um so as we sort of, so you brought us into the development side of it. I love what you said about uh, um, eliminating tacit approval. And then I think that that really goes into reinforcement. Now we're really talking about the sustaining of the guest experience standard that then falls on the expectation of leadership. So if we're talking about the expectations and the standards that employees have when it comes to delivering the experience, there needs to be just as high of an expectation and standard on leadership to A, model that behavior, but B, to be able to recognize and coach that experience as well. So if uh, part of the job description is we go above and beyond our guests' expectations, which is a very proactive uh, a type of standard is about we look for these opportunities to do something for a guest, then we need to say, okay, for leadership, being proactive, we want to look for those opportunities to do something for an employee. And whether it's recognizing them for a job well done, or whether it's coaching them because they fell below the standard, both of those is doing something productive for that employee that will improve their performance, but also improve their own well-being as well. So, I love what you're getting into here, and we could probably take four podcasts just to talk about all this. Uh, But one thing I will say is that goes back to what you said earlier about sustainability of the culture, right? You can't sustain exactly what you talked about unless it's coming from the top, right? And so everybody in every level of the organization has to be fulfilling that development need for other people, right? So, you know, just because you're a VP or a director doesn't mean you're not a human being and you don't need recognition, 
right? It doesn't mean that you don't need fulfillment in your role. You may get it in slightly different places than a frontline employee, but that doesn't mean that your your leader, maybe the CEO or you know the COO, they should be coaching you as well, right? I mean, so there should be that relationship. And then the directors are coaching the managers, the managers are coaching supervisors, and then supervisors are coaching leads, and then the leads are coaching the frontline. So that was a lot of layers. But think about it, if one of those layers breaks down and there isn't that level of coaching or that isn't that level of, of, of um, commitment to guest experience and the guest experience um, initiatives, then it's all going to break down, mm. right? It's, it's not going to be able to sustain. And so when I think about, you know, that what, what you're talking about in terms of, you know, supporting that and sustaining it, it's really got to be throughout the organization. So that development, we can't just look at that as, the individual team member needs development. It's the entire organization that has to have that attitude of we're always going to develop. We're mm-hmm. always going to look for something you know proactive to do. We're always going to look to better ourselves a little bit, and we're always going to come back to our you know if again guest experience is one of the one of your 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 tenants, then we're always going to come back to that. What are we doing that supports the guest experience? It could be letting someone know that they've done something really well but it also could be letting someone know that they haven't met the standard and giving them tools, coaching them to be able to meet that standard uh, at some point in the future. Right. So I think I have like a thousand follow-up questions for you. (laughs) We're going to do, we could do a four part series just on that. And I know that we've talked about a lot of that in, in previous episodes as well. So, uh, so if we move from development to offboarding, this is where I think things can get really interesting because this is where if let's say you've been listening to this or you've been watching this and and you've sort of been nodding your head the whole time of we do this or at least we strive to do this or or this is a, a huge focus uh, of our organization. When we get to what happens when an employee leaves your organization, what are you doing then? Because that's part of the life cycle. Because a couple of things. One, it could be an involuntary termination, perhaps something that all these previous phases of the life cycle led to, or it could be a voluntary termination that perhaps w- was due to other reasons. They're they're moving on with their career. They're moving away. Um, maybe, I mean, maybe there was something about the job that they weren't satisfied, or maybe there was something that uh, or maybe at another job somewhere else that that they're able to grow more professionally in that offboarding experience, there's an opportunity to continue the relationship going once they become a guest again and allow them to continue advocating for the business even beyond their own employment. So this is something that uh, I, I hope this gets some gears turning. I don't have any concrete examples, but I can certainly throw out several suggestions. Uh, but I, I do think that this absolutely needs to be a part of it. So I would love to hear some of those suggestions, because as I said earlier, this is something that I had never really thought of, of, you know, a team member that leaves an organization is now potentially a guest again, you know, depending on why they left. I know um, I've been a guest of Universal many, many times since I left there and will still advocate for what a great property it is. Um, but is that always the case? And is there something strategic that the organization can do to continue to foster that relationship? So I'd love to hear some of your suggestions. I mean, all I can do is is just spitball here. And some of them, they they might fall into place more, you know, better than others. So I, I would just say take these and and 
morph these as they fit, you know, into your own organization. Uh, because this is also something I had not thought of until I really started thinking about this and saying, well, offboarding is part of the life cycle. Um, so you mentioned Universal. Uh, when I worked for Universal, there was a, a bar at CityWalk called Cigars. It was a cigar bar, but it also was the only bar on property that offered uh, discounts to team members. And they were really good discounts. And I would go there very often uh, <laughs> to the point where the, the bartenders knew who I was. They knew my name. Uh, they didn't need to check for my ID every single time, which meant that after I was no longer employed, they still saw me and I still got the team member discount until the bar closed, <laughs> until it became a sandwich shop, right? Um, but what if there was actual like process around that? What if, what if once your employees leave, what if they still got, even if it's 10%, which is such a marginal discount, but the, the gesture is there. What if they got that for life? If it's, you know, if it's voluntary, if it's all, you know, an, an amical separation, not if it's involuntary, but what if say, Hey, look, when it does come time for you to move on, you're still going to be part of our family for life. Now, obviously all these steps up to that uh, are geared towards improving retention, reducing turnover and not saying, Hey, I'm going to work there, you know, for 10 minutes and then I'm going to leave. Maybe this happens after certain milestones or things like that of when it does come time. Um, what if they got a membership or an annual pass for the next year where they could still come as a guest and enjoy all the benefits that they had as a team member? Again, spitballing here. I don't know how feasible it is, you know, but maybe maybe it's uh, uh, something, maybe there's something there that you can get 10%, 20% close to. Uh, what if you had specific events? And, and these could be hard ticket events that were geared towards past employees and almost like a like an alumni event, you know, of, of people coming back, you know, to to where they, you know, fostered their career. Uh, you know, if there's if there's some way for to keep the relationship going, because they are now a guest again, they they could have an elevated guest. Experience. What if you had a, a you know an employee lounge or a past employee lounge or so, just like if you had an annual pass lounge or a member lounge or a VIP lounge, could they come and sit in air conditioning and get a bottle of water or something like that? I can you is there is there specific merch? I don't know. I, I I don't know what the you know what the best answer is. I can sit here and I could just rattle off ideas all day, but if I talk a lot about guest loyalty and people who are people who are loyal to an organization. They come back, they visit often, they get the value of whatever it is that they have, that annual pass and membership, whatever it is. They influence others to visit as well. So they're an advocate or for the organization. Well, if your business has been around for a long time, it means that you probably have a lot more past employees than you do current employees. So I'm not just saying any of this just to be fluffy or mushy-gushy or whatever, but if you have people who are out there in the world who used to be on your payroll maybe many years ago who are sending people to you, I think this could be one of the smartest business decisions you can make. So one of the things that I, I think of when you say alumni is, I believe it's Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, maybe it's Lagoon, they say, they reach out to their alumni and they, they almost use it as a staffing um, uh, solution, right? You yeah. mentioned how, how recruiting is so difficult. Um, and they say, hey, you've worked here before. Wouldn't you like to relive some of that? So I don't know exactly how the programs work, but they invite people back, you know, to, to come work for a weekend or come work for, you know, a certain period of time or whatever. So, you know, part of that, that is 
continuing that relationship. It's not what you're talking about necessarily about providing benefits and things like that, but it is a way to continue the relationship with, with folks. And especially as staffing has been so, so difficult, you know, if you, if you could get somebody that already knew what they were doing and they just needed some recertification and they, they love the company and they've got the right attitude and they could work for a couple of weekends, who wouldn't take that? You yeah. know what I mean? Um, the other thing I think of that, you know, again, maybe maybe it's the, the cautionary tale, right? Or maybe a reason that somebody might say, I don't want my employees, my, my alumni to come back is because they haven't done the others. They haven't maximized the rest of that employee life cycle to create a position where the the person who is leaving still has good feelings about the organization, right? Mm -hmm. Now, to your point, there could be people that are leaving involuntary, involuntarily, right? There was some, you know, um, uh, you know, breach of, of standards or there was stealing or whatever the case may be. And, you know, they are going to, you know, be terminated for, for that particular reason. But I would wonder, and since we're spitballing here, if there would be people that say, you know what, if we got a bunch of, of alumni people together, what would they say about how we treated them? Right. Or, you know, it'd be, it'd be like Glassdoor, you know, that website, they're all getting together to talk about the company and, and, and maybe complain. But I think the reason that, that somebody might have that mentality is if they already aren't doing as much as they can during the rest of that employee life cycle to think that if somebody leaves, they're going to have bad things to say about the organization. I'm, I'm just throwing that out there, that that could be a, a, a barrier, but that also should be a wake-up call, right? If you, if you think that that's what your employees are going to say, then don't, you know, discount the, the benefit of the employee uh, alumni association, right? Um, focus on how do you, how do you get even employees who leave to have a good feeling about the company. That's two very different ways to look at that. No, and I think it, you know, it even ties in uh, something that that we've talked about it a few times with with certain people that we've had uh, on and talking about sort of the the employee journey and uh, that many people they came here for their first job and then uh, they they moved on and and now they're in you know senior leadership somewhere else. Uh, that if they if they continue to grow and progress in their career, even if it's not within your organization. Then that is a testament to to your leadership. So if you, you know, we need to like hit it from the front end of saying, I, I'm going to develop my employees. I'm going to focus on the, you know, all these other phases of the life cycle because a, I hope they stick around for a long time. Or b, even if they do leave, they're going to say something positive, and it's going to reflect positively on me if they go and they're, you know, an amazing manager or director or something somewhere else. And I helped to foster their their career and build their skills. Yeah, yeah. So wow. Okay. <laughs> so we focused. Yeah, we focused on the employee life cycle and kind of embedding some of that guest experience, um, uh, those guest experience initiatives in there. Uh, did this go where you thought it would go based on the conversation? For sure. And one of the things you said at the very beginning is that we might look at this from from slightly different lenses, which is which is why I was like, let's let's get on the podcast. Let's talk about this. Let's you know, I, I, I've only thought about this, you know, in my brain up until now. Um, and so now I, you, you know, being able to just sort of bounce this off, I think that um, I think it's a cool topic. And I think that it's, you know, it's something that uh, can really be emphasized. And it's not uh uh, it's not a, a light switch that can just be, you know, flipped on and off. It's something that I think I, I, I hope this uh, inspires people to to really take a hard look at. 
each of these phases of the life cycle, but also what are we putting into each phases of the, of the life cycle? Because the way we really broke this down to give a quick recap here is we talked about creating that culture of hospitality or really defining it. You probably already have it. Maybe some of it is written. Maybe some of it is unwritten. Maybe some of it has, has grown beyond what is written and, and it can be refined. So taking a look at what those strategies and what those tactics are that my pleasure, that here is your credit card and ID with two hands, whatever that is. Uh, and then weaving that into your recruitment, your onboarding, your training, your development, and your offboarding, looking at it in the entire employee life cycle. Well, I think that was a nice recap of a fantastic conversation. Fantastic conversation. Ooh, get it on, on both ends of the podcast. That's right. That's the right. podcast life cycle. Yeah. So um, I think if anybody has any thoughts on this, we would love to hear them, right? Please. Attractionpros at gmail.com. Please send us a note. Reach out to us on the socials. We'd love to hear your take on this. Um, and for everybody out there who's watching and listening, just remember, we are all Attraction Pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.